0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Jerry Petito Show on Remember Then Radio. Wow, have I got an incredible show for you today. Um, My guest is off the charts. Um, I'm going to introduce her, and then I'm going to play a beautiful song to start this show. So, Cynthia, tell everyone who you are, sweetheart.
1: Hello, my name is Cynthia Demola Olivera. And uh, I wrote a book years ago, based on my life, kind of written like a novel. And um, I'm very excited to be here.
0: (laughs) Well, I'm going to play a song that I think is so appropriate for today. The song is called Peace by Nikki Adio. Let's hear it. Yeah uh-huh. song was very appropriate. Very appropriate for today. So Cynthia, you wrote this incredible book and you sent it to me and I I just thought it was magnificent. It's called Marked for Life, Not Scarred. Thank you. Tell everyone why you named it that.
1: Uh, Because I was thinking about some of the traumatic things that happened to me in my childhood. And um, I was thinking about how, particularly women, young women, say, oh, after something bad happened, I'm scarred for life. I'm scarred for life. And it bothered me because I don't think that the terrible moments in our lives should particularly define us. Mm. And I started thinking about who I am and uh, have a very strong faith in in a good God, <clears throat> and I started reading uh, some scripture, and uh, I saw in a, in, a, in, a ver- in a version of the Bible that um, when you really believe, when you accept, you know, Jesus, that you're marked, the New International Version says in Ephesians 1.13, uh, marked by the Holy Spirit, and it just clicked, it radiated on the inside of me, I'm marked, I'm not scarred.
0: I love that. I absolutely love that. You know, yeah. um God is so good, right, girlfriend?
1: Absolutely, absolutely. I um I grew up with a with an amazing father, David Demola, very successful pastor, but incredible father and friend and mentor, but his role model as a father, you know, set the pace for me to understand that God is good. Um and uh, that if I could just – if I would just trust him, that he would lead the way. And uh, and so that's a lot of what the book is about. I think the book is kind of, you know, fun. A lot of people write serious books, and I think there's some serious things in there for sure. But it's written like a novel. You know, you kind of want to turn – the most feedback that I've gotten about the book is – couldn't put it down i wanted to see what happened next and i i purposefully wrote it that way because life is exciting and scary <laughs> and mm-hmm. dangerous you're right and sad and happy you know
0: <laughs> so. you're right you know um i don't really you know know how much you want to talk about your childhood or your past um but let's touch base on god's grace and goodness first you know I went through some similar things as well, and my father also, I think, was one of the greatest fathers that walked this earth. And, you know, I I thank God every day how he blessed me for my father. Um, And he also made me realize if my earthly father could be this amazing, my heavenly father had to be so much more. Right,
1: right. You know? Right. That's right out of Matthew. And I... yeah, I agree, hundred um, percent. So, as a little girl, as amazing as my father was, um, and I write about all of this very detailedly in the book. Um, he hired a pastor to come when I was a little girl and uh, be on the an assistant pastor, and I probably was around nine or ten years old, and he began to molest me, <laughs> and. Um, Unless you've been through it, especially as a child, you don't understand the implication of what's going on. You just, you can't possibly understand that this person who you see as a role model, who's coming at you actually in a very nice way, as mm-hmm. inappropriate as it is, um, what's going on, and you don't know how to get out, and you don't know who to talk to. You hear things like, if you tell anybody, you're going to get in trouble. Right. Right. And so this pattern develops and you're trapped. But the thing that I realized much later on in life, because I thought that I dealt with it very well as a child and even as into my adolescence and, and throughout my, my, you know, formative years in school. And I was very committed to, to church and my father. And, but I kept that secret shame very packed away and very much later in life after some, you know, failed relationships i realized there's something here i need to deal with something needs to be dug up out of the out of the dirt and you know uh, at, taken out of the you know the proverbial attic of the mind and dealt with and so i faced it and mm-hmm. dealt with it and that's um, i guess that was the driving force of the book um, and and how i wrote had the healing process that took place and the great things that unveiled in my life
0: wow you know um, when young people go through these things you know a lot of the times they blame themselves or they're scared to death to tell someone because they think Uh they're going to be told you're a liar (laughs) absolutely okay so um, you know all my shows I try to bring hope to someone out there who's either dealing with something or knows a loved one who is what would you say to someone listening who's struggling right now with this and is afraid to tell someone? Uh,
1: Well, first of all, it's a lie (laughs) that you won't be believed and that no one will help. And um, that's the first thing. But the second thing is the whole theme of my book, which is a theme for life, is that you have a destiny from God to be a certain person and make a mark, and I don't use that word lightly on this earth. And anything that's trying to stop you in any situation is is able to be overcome.
2: Okay. <laughs>
1: and I mean hope is the hope is for the future. Hope is the first thing. You have to see that there's a way out. And then I think the next thing is a little bit of faith in God. Faith is now. So I believe God that somehow, some way you're going to get me out of this. So hope looks to the future, but faith says, I make a decision. I'm going to I believe that this is not greater than my purpose and who God made me to be. And somehow I'm going to muster up the strength to face whatever I have to face, to tell who I have to tell, and believe that God will provide all of the resources necessary for it to end and for me to begin to heal.
0: Beautifully said. So, I have a question for you. So, in one part of your book, you talk about your dad actually asked you. <laughs> what made you not jump for joy at that moment and say, yes, dad, he touched me? What, what was going on in your mind at that moment?
1: So, the relationship with this person was very complex because he is a master manipulator. Okay. And i had these vacillating feelings of it was okay it wasn't that bad with it was the most horrible thing in my life and i hate him you know i had these feelings that vacillated because he was still not prominent in the church but still in the church not our church but in the church world and i was afraid um there's no other word i was afraid that first of all i wouldn't believe be believed which you just talked about okay and secondly, that, uh, I would be looked at as, you know, dirty and ugly and sinful there it is and that's the thing that's held over people's heads there you it know is. whenever you see a, a woman even a man you know i initially talked about women in this when i thought about even writing this book but there are so many men who are desperate and hurting because of being touched inappropriately and used by other men as children and, and, and women yes so the, the problem is pervasive there, And I was afraid to tell my father, but it never sat right with me that I didn't. And it took a little bit longer than maybe it, I'm going to put the word in quotes, should have. But I eventually told him. And everything (coughs) was beyond fine.
0: Yes, it's beautiful. Guys, bear with my throat. I've been under the weather for a few days, so um, just bear with me a minute. So, you know, I went through a similar situation. Not with someone from the church, though, a neighbor. And I was, I think, like 13, 14 years old. And I've talked about this, and I actually put this in my book, that my issue, I, w- I was a different kind of a kid. I was more of this tough New York kid, you know. Um, I really was. I was a brat, you know. You seemed so sweet to me. And, you know, I laughed because I'm like, I never had that real sweetness, you know. So, but... um yeah, I'm a New Yorker too. <laughs> You're just so sweet. But but I was never, um I, I didn't care he touched me because I put him in his place immediately. But I was worried years later as I grew up because I didn't tell my father because I believed wholeheartedly my father would have beat him with his bare hands to death and my dad would have been in jail. I believed it because I was still a kid, you know, And but I did tell my uncle, my dad's brother, who did Uh let him know, we knew, and he was moving away anyway in a couple of weeks. But here's the thing about God. All these years later, and I shared this with you, Cynthia, I want to share with the audience, all these years later, my struggle was, did I let a child molester go? Did my uncle do the right thing? Maybe we should have told someone, you know? Uh And uh, two years ago, Um, you know, 57 years old, 56 years old, at a family reunion. I didn't know it, but he was coming. They moved away. And him and his family came. He's now close to, you know, late 70s. And he touched me again. But you know what? I forgave him and laughed in his face and said, you dirty old man. And I said to God, thank you. I needed that. Because God allowed me after all these years... To know, I didn't let a child molester go. I just let a pervert go, and <laughs> right. you know that—that's that heavy on my heart. You know, but mm-hmm. with you, like the courage that you portrayed in this book, to me is absolutely beautiful. You know, and you—and you did do it in a, in a way where I can't wait to turn the next page in a story. Mm-hmm. You know.
1: Thank you. Um, I just. You know, the way that I even began to wrote this, to write the book was, um, a, a man of God who's very well known, and if I said his name, which I won't, you would know it, and so would probably most of the audience, pretty much turned to me, uh, impulsively, but under unction, if I could say that. Okay. And said, I, I see a book. I okay. see you writing a book that's gonna help heal women around the world. And, um I, you know, he said a lot more things, which I won't go into, but I immediately that evening was in April, a few years ago, I immediately went home and took out my iPhone, I think it was the iPhone 4, small one, and with one thumb, I wrote 200 pages, Um, I had gone through a bad relationship And was writing somewhat, I guess, kind of poetry, but really just feelings, things that I was sensing and feeling as a result of things that had gone on in the relationship. And I picked up that little journal, and I said, wow, this could really help someone. Somebody has to be able to relate to the pain that I have pushed down deep inside. And I've got to find a way to release it and to release him. Mm. Release him. So... Uh, I wrote 200 pages with my right thumb and I told my husband, uh, you know, I'm, I'm doing what I have to do to get this in the hands of as many people as I can so that their healing can begin and they can see that they can reach their destiny too. And I didn't feel to go to authorities. It's so funny because at this time in the world, when you turn the TV on, you see in large church organizations, there's a lot of prosecuting going on. They've extended the um, the time limit. I forgot what it's called right now. Uh, they extended um, how long uh, you could wait before you turn somebody in. There's more time now okay. to, to turn someone in. The statute of limitations okay. has been extended. And I sometimes wrestle because I know this person is still around and still functioning. And I've wrestled with, you know, should I do something? But I really believe in my heart that... Um, this book is vindication for me and that God will be God and justice will be done. I I think that everyone has to follow their own path. And for me, it's way more important to focus on, and I'm going to use this word lightly, but I mean it because it's in my heart, the millions of people who need to be touched, who need to see that no matter what they went through, it wasn't their fault. And God could take that ugly and turn it around for their good and make it beautiful because that's what God is the master of doing.
0: It's amazing how you just put that because you're right. Everyone has a role. I believe we all have a role in life. That's our purpose. If we all had the same role, no one would get help. You know what I mean? It's very true. So everyone has a role and your role not necessarily was to worry about putting him behind bars. Your role was to worry about helping other maybe young people especially you know all women and men that are being abused but young people um to understand that it wasn't their fault
1: right
0: and that's right. A- that's absolutely beautiful you know it's funny um you mentioned a man of god that told you about your book i um was kind of woken up in the middle of one night uh, a few years back and i heard god say write your book and i and yeah. i giggled and i said okay and but I hand wrote it I'm just a little bit older than you girlfriend but listen to me I hand wrote it and when it was done I was like what do I do now (laughs) so that's so funny it's so funny how God works he will always you know I I try to tell people out there you know I, I have to have faith in God because if I had faith in only me that would be a big mess that would be a big mess
1: yeah, no.
0: <laughs> okay, I, I could never go through life thinking, um it. I'd ha I have to know God's got my back.
1: Right. Right. You know? I mean it, it makes it, it makes it a lot easier. You know, yes. it takes the, the pressure off.
0: <laughs> you know. Because
1: I can literally do what the Bible says in Corinthians I can cast my care on him. Yes. I can cast it, throw it on him and say, You got you got this so I don't have to carry it. And, um, you know, I, I talk about in the book how every day you just learn to trust a little bit more. And the deeper that you trust, it's almost like you go deeper and you get away from the shallow where all the ugly is. You know, on the shallow, there's rocks and there's seaweed in the water. And But when you get away from the shallow and you start to head into the deep, all that junk, that surface junk goes away. And the more that you trust him and the more that you walk with him, you know, you get away from all the ugly of the shallow. And you get into a deep place with God. And those things that really did plague you for so many years go away. And it's not a simple, you know, it's not snap. Although there are times when God can touch you and things can change in an instant. I believe that with all my heart. But the process of getting to know him and focusing more on the good than on the ugly it's its life changing
0: it's life, it's changing. life changing, you're absolutely right you know, um, it's funny you mentioned seaweed, I'm a vegetarian so to me that's gold <laughs> <laughs> but
1: it's not nice when you're all no, um, i um, you get yes. into the water and it's all stuck I'm just saying, here. I'm just
0: laughing about that <laughs> um, but you know you're, you're absolutely right, you know There's a couple of incredible videos out there and I want to mention them. One is called The Church Pew or The Barstool. Have you seen that one? No. You have to check it out. That one is one of my favorites. Um, you know, where would you rather be on the, at the church, on the church pew or at a barstool where you could help others? So it's, it's similar to like with your book. You know what I mean? Yes. It's, it's
1: it's interesting. It's Mm -hmm. very
0: beautiful. Um, and the other one is why I hate religion, but love Jesus. Yeah,
1: absolutely. Incredible. I don't, I don't know the, I don't know the
0: video, but I know the concept. <laughs> oh, but the video you and because at the very end of the video he says, "When Jesus said it is finished, I believed him." Yeah, you know, it's beautiful. I, you got to check it out. So, really Pete, good. your your husband PJ is uh, in the chat room saying hello and. Hello, PJ. Um, I think your wife is incredible. Um, so, yes. Uh, so, le- let me ask you something. So, let's talk a little bit more about your struggles. I don't want to get into details, but a little bit more about your struggles. So, what were you freed of most when you finally wrote this book? What, what were you freed of most?
1: I think everything being quiet and hidden okay i think the it's like a, my father used to say it's like a 10 foot grand piano comes off your shoulders because we do this thing and, and certain personality types i guess i tend to be a little bit more melancholy when it comes to these kind of things we carry things around um like it's almost and i think i heard a psycho a psychologist time you know we pack all these things into luggage and we and we carried around, so we have this zipped up luggage that we carry around, and, and it was very freeing, um, but I'll tell you something, I would sit and, and, you know, not only the iPhone, but when I started editing through the book, because no one helped me write this at all, it's all me, I did all of the editing, I didn't even have an editor, um, so when I sat and I went through some of the experiences, which I detail, I chronicle in the yep, book, Yep, I would all of a sudden just cry and I mean cry and cry and cry and cry so the process of writing really took a load off of me the guilt and the shame and the fear, it all went away (laughs) it all went
0: away okay so now I'm going to touch on something that I'm not even sure if you can answer but you know I grew up Catholic and I left the Catholic Church a long time ago you know and gave my life to Christ um and I never realized that <clears throat> this went on not only in the Catholic Church, but in other churches. And you you know, with your book and all, I never realized the depth of what was really going on behind closed doors with all so called religions, you know? Right. Yeah. I never realized that. Rabbis and all, you know? Yep. So let me ask well. you if, if you have the answer to this question. Um, so, the churches knew about what was going on. There were so many rumors, right, about this man.
1: Um, I, I think someone there was a rumor, and a young girl complained.
0: Okay, that
1: some and the the girl who complained, um, was taken very seriously because she was very innocent. She was not. Um, uh, she was a little bit slower. Okay. Then yeah, and so her story was very believable and very innocent and that stirred up a lot of questions with the board of the church and a lot of um controversy and another few girls came forward and uh and um and that's you know when 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 he was like, let go and sent away
0: so that's
1: where I don't even to be honest that I'm telling you what I was told right was I was I was you know, I was nine or ten years old the most. Right. So so I know what
0: I've told you from having been told that. Right. But here's my question and again I'm not sure if you can even answer it because this is what goes through my mind a lot when I hear about things like this. Okay. How come the authorities weren't involved and how were these men You know, like I said, priests, rabbis, you know, how were they allowed to go to a different church and preach and be around kids? Like, why weren't authorities brought in?
1: So, I don't know if you can hear me, but I lost you. I don't hear you.
0: Can you hear me now? Yes, I can. Okay. My question was, um, and again, not just with that church, with, you know, other churches, with rabbis, with priests, you know, Why weren't authorities brought in? Why were these men able to go to different churches and preach?
1: Well, what I know, first of all, it was a different time. Thankfully, as pervasive and prevalent as this horrible, what I call demonic behavior is, and uh, it it was, everything was sort of swept under the rug. Okay. years ago you know it wasn't it wasn't a confronting a confrontive time but what i understand happened here was there were there was a board that had to handle the situation and the board had to vote on how to deal with it and i believe that they were not in agreement with, you know, bringing a scandal to the to the local church. Again, this is all sort of hearsay. Yes. I don't really know exactly. I know what I've been told from different people, um, but I, I think that's why the statute of limitations has been extended. I think there are a lot of people who went through a lot of terrible things and I think that the local and national authorities have said enough. You know, these people have to be pursued and prosecuted but again that's not my focus um i uh, my focus is to and i think the other thing that's really important is for parents and i mentioned this very lightly in the book but to be aware and i think in general parents are more aware you don't leave your 10 year old girl alone with a 25 year old man or 30 year old man you just right. don't do it Right. And that happened to me a lot because of the trust thing and because of the busyness of my parents. You know, it's nobody's fault. It was a very quote unquote innocent time. Right. But but those things are huge. They're huge uncles, it's uncle whoever, too bad. You know, your little girl shouldn't be alone with uncle so-and-so, period. It right. just shouldn't happen. I agree. So.
0: You know, um, PJ just typed in and he said, and he's right, back in the day a lot of churches were afraid of scandals, wrong, but unfortunately was the reality. And he's right. you know i remember things that went on you know at saint mary's in long island city you know when i was younger and he's absolutely right you know um but i think back to the times and i'm you know i just hope it's different now do you know if it's different if it's different now will they maybe stop sending them to other places to preach well it's not it
1: wasn't that organized the the church that i'm talking about in the It wasn't an organization that was as formal as, like, the Catholic Church, you know. So, it was more of an individualized thing. He was sort of put out because of the rumor and allegations. But he was not part of an organization that was endorsing him. He had to find his own way. right? So, he's different. But, you know, this is what I want to say. I want to say that... um, You you, you never want, you know, my father, when I did tell him, he was devastated, he was very angry, he wanted to confront this person, and like your father, he wanted to kill him. Yeah.
2: You
1: know, but um, I really believe, because I'm a girl who believes in destiny, I'm a girl who believes in the grace of God, I'm a girl who believes that my life, my steps are ordered by God, and that as I walk my path... The light gets brighter and brighter that's what the proverb says you know the path of the righteous the righteous is the one who really believes in god the path of the righteous gets brighter to the full length of day so as i walk the path the light in front of me gets stronger and stronger and i just keep walking and my path just keeps getting illuminated and this is what i want to say having said that i would not want anyone else to ever have to go through what i went through and suffer the things I suffered as a little girl. It changes you. Mm. You know, you, you lose innocence that you didn't have, mm. and you think a certain way, and you're always... I'm, I I still, and I'm so much better, I still have a guilty conscience. You do? Because you, you're forced in a situation where you're you're guilty. Don't tell anybody, don't do this. You know, if you talk, you're going to get in trouble. They're all going to know you're a bad girl. Those are the things that I had to deal with. But here's the point. My... As I walk, it is getting brighter. And somehow, this ugliness in my past gave me a footstool, an opportunity to share through Marked for Life, Not Scarred, which is available on Amazon, it's available on Barnes and Noble. But having written this book, I'm giving people. I have a platform to say, it's okay, you're not guilty, God's grace is greater than any ugly in your past, and you can be who God made you to be and take your place. So I wouldn't wish it on anyone else, but at this point in my life, it's all good, because I see that the purpose and plan of God can turn around the scars in your life and put His mark on you.
0: (laughs) That's beautiful. You know, you sound, I'm going to say... Very healed. Very healed. So I wouldn't even have thought you still felt any of the guilt. You sound incredibly healed.
1: Well, everybody has to go through their own process. You know, so one of the things that I I deal with is, you know, poor self, poor body image, poor self image. And uh, and I'm so much better. And I have to say, shout out to my, my amazing husband, TJ, who's who is a pastor, and I pastor with him. And he's just so much like my father, the the, the spin image of my father as a pastor, loving people, loving God, helping people. Um, but he loved me so much, and and this could almost make me emotional. Because he's so handsome and so athletic and everything I listed as a young girl that I wanted in a man. And when we met, I was so far from perfect. (laughs) I was so not perfect. And he came out of a situation, you know, he was with beautiful women. But he loved me. He saw me. He heard that I was the one for him. And he loved me beyond what he saw even, you know, and that love, that's God love. That's agape love. And that love is so much deeper than relationship love. Oh, she's so beautiful. I can't wait to get with her. And oh, she makes me laugh. It's way deeper. But his love in my life, which was a reflection of the love of God, has been a big part of the healing in me. That's beautiful. Because I still will look and say, "I'm." How could he love me? I still will say that, knowing the goodness of God, but I'm human. Right. Knowing how much Jesus loves me, how much my Father loved me, and how much PJ loves me, I'll still question in a moment of, you know, self stupidity. <laughs> but that love is—it just—it's just. It's just That's the love of God in action, and it's really helped to put me in a place where I don't loathe me.
0: Wow, beautifully said. And PJ, you're incredible. (laughs) You're an incredible man of God, PJ. Beautiful man. He's a good man. Are you planning on writing a second book?
1: I'm actually in the middle of it. Okay, Um, and it's 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 yeah it's it's called Marked First. And it's all about my incredible father. Way more, way more exciting than I ever thought. With all due respect to him, his life was really incredible. My dad was, um, I think, 1988, pastoring one of the fastest growing churches, top ten fastest growing churches in America, and uh, was in 1960. 1968- blah 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 for something i don't remember i have no idea the exact time was offered to pitch for the brooklyn dodgers oh
2: And,
1: and he picked uh he picked bible school over baseball and um so i'm in the middle of his story and it's really fun to write because i started by doing some research in the year he was born um, 1943 you know world war two so I did some research and um, i'm I've written it a lot like this book where there's a little bit of a reflection in the beginning of the chapter or some of my thoughts and then I go back in time and talk about him so I'm, I'm up to where he is offered the contract for the Dodgers. Wow. but uh, so yes yeah, so I'm, I'm working on that I ha- and uh, I don't I don't have an, an uh, a date of when it'll be published but uh, sometime in 2020, I'm hoping.
0: Okay. I have a silly question about that. I'm just curious. Um, did your dad ever say he regretted not playing for the Dodgers?
1: <laughs>. So my father died suddenly last February, and I got to stand in church and do speak about him, You e- eulogize him. And I okay. uh, was so honored to have done that. But I said from the pulpit in front of, you know, 40,000 people, I think, watched that. Um, that I used to ask him Dad, do you ever regret And I did, I did it privately all the time Dad, do you have any regrets And my father used to look at me and say Look at what God has done in my life Look at the millions, and he did touch millions of people right. Look at the millions of people who have been touched I have zero regrets, honey
0: zero. Oh, that's beautiful Yeah So, what about you Let me ask you um, How many people do you think You've touched
1: not nearly as many as I want to. <laughs> Not nearly as many as I want to. And that's why I want the book in the hands of people because the few people that I know that have come up to me. So it, I'll give you one example. Okay. So I walked into an office. I'm a practicing physician assistant at this time. I walked into my office and somehow the office staff all kind of got a hold bought the book and everybody was reading it and the english is not the first language of this person who came up to me she saw me come in to uh, see some patients and i don't even know who she was i didn't even know who she was she worked there it's a fairly large practice and she had tears in her eyes and she said can i just hug you and she hugged So tight. And I was like, what? I had no idea what was going on. And she said, I bought the book in broken English. I bought the book for my daughter. She read it in one night and said, Mom, you have to read it. She said, I don't read English well. She said, no, you have to read it, Mom. You can read it. And she read it. And she stayed up all night to finish it because she had to see how it ended. And she said it touched her so deeply. And it's the first book. And I think this is pretty kind of interesting. I think there's a little bit of supernatural going on here. She said, I understood every word. I never struggled for a minute with the language. So when I saw and heard that, I knew that there were others. There were reviews on Amazon. You know, uh, it's a story of the grace of God. And it's a story of the grace of God for everyone. <laughs> because God's grace is, the Bible says, more than enough. <laughs> and it's it, the grace doesn't single out one person. It was, you know, the cross was for everyone. So I think I have touched few people in my life so far. But I know uh, that I will touch the world. I know it because it's in my heart, it's on my mind, and it's in my destiny.
0: And I was going to say that because God is using you, you know, in his timing, and you've touched me, I can tell you that, you know, I thought your book was incredible, and, you know, you've brought some light to me as well with what I went through, awesome. um, and I already know what God has in store for you, come on, I mean, this is unbelievable, the, the lives you're going to be saving, it's absolutely beautiful.
1: Well, it's an opportunity. You know, it's, you know, I can deflect to the greater one that's on the inside of me. I don't want to take any, any glory. I know it takes a little bit of guts to step up and be vulnerable. You know, I'm a private person, right? So, I mean, everything I'm holding the book here as I'm sitting, I mean, it's, it's raw (laughs) and it's down and dirty and it's my life exposed and it takes a little courage to do that, but the focus, the reason, is to touch people and let them know about a good God who sacrificed his only son for them. And my being vulnerable and my story is just a little piece of, of that, right. of showing that good God.
0: Right. Well, Cynthia, is there anything else you'd like to tell everyone out there? We're coming to the close of the show um we have a few more minutes you can well that did go fast you're right okay you thought it was (laughs) right okay so we have we have we have more time we have a few more minutes so it's not like you have to get off the phone right now um but is there anything else you'd like to share with everyone
1: uh i mean if you're in new jersey we have an amazing church (laughs) if i can say that Uh, tell us where uh, it is yes it's called Marked Faith Fellowship Church. Marked again, Ephesians one thirteen, and uh, we meet in uh, Bridgewater uh, Marriott in Bridgewater, New Jersey, at ten o'clock on Sunday mornings. We have an amazing worship team. There's a, the, everybody who's there. We actually recently taped for some possible projects in the future. Um and um we we asked a lot of people why do you come here? Why do you love it here? I mean the pervasive answer was or the predominant answer was it's family. I'm loved, I'm challenged, I leave happy, you know. It's an incredible atmosphere of encouragement and faith and in a loving family. So I would love for people to come out. I'll have books there if anybody wants to come get one, be glad to sign a book. Um, the book's available on Amazon.com. March for Life, not scarred. It's Mark's Faith Fellowship uh, Church.org. If you want to see our website, yeah. and my book is available there too. There's a link there.
0: That's so beautiful. I want to share something with you, real quick, about my dad. Um, okay. We actually went to Israel together. Um, did you? Do you know? do you ever hear of a pastor, Joe Foch?
1: I don't know that name.
0: Okay. So Joe Fosh was a drug addict. He's in his sixties now. And uh he's in PA. Um and what's amazing about this man is he's really shy off the pulpit. Okay. (laughs) So we went we went to Israel with him. Um my father accepted Jesus in the tomb. Wow. And I'll never forget that and I thank God every day to this day for that. My father had Alzheimer's Cynthia And he passed away two years ago, but I want to share something with you. About a year before he he died, I went to his home, and I'm sitting there with him. And he didn't know me, but he always knew that he should know me. You know what I mean? He knew I was someone special to him. Right. And he looked at me, and he said, Jesus came to visit me last night. And I said, he did. What did he say, Dad? Oh, he said, I'm going to be coming home soon. I said, well, what did you say, Dad? He, he said, I asked if I needed to pack a bag. And he said, you don't have to bring anything where you're going. Now tell me that wasn't God. Okay, how beautiful was that? Very, very cool. <laughs> so, Cynthia, I want to thank you um, for not only being a guest today on my show. I want to thank you for the book that you wrote. Um, I want to thank you for having the courage to come out with your story because, you know, God is absolutely using you and you will absolutely be helping so many other people Um, and, you know, we're blessed, you know, every day by God and now God's using you to bless others. So I want to thank you for that.
1: You're welcome. Thank you so much for giving me the opportunity to talk about it. I look forward to um, talking with you again soon.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. So everybody out there, I want to thank all my listeners. I want to thank uh, everyone who was in the chat room. PJ, I want to thank you for being in there as well. Wow, one day maybe I can meet you. You sound amazing. Um, God bless you. I want to thank Steve and Angel for the opportunity again to be on Remember Then Radio. And I am just so proud of this show today. And I cannot wait to share it everywhere. So, guys, what I'm going to do is I'm actually going to close the show out with the same song that I opened the show with. Okay? Because I think it's appropriate for today. Peace, peace by Nikki Addio and I just want to say thank you to everybody.
1: Thank you.